Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Shadows of Freedom recounts the untold story of the Jewish and French resistance in 1942 in Algiers which helped change the course of World War II, yet remains largely forgotten. These 388 resistors, mostly young and inexperienced, almost haplessly ended up supporting the uh, Allies in North Africa, and in the process they paved the way for a successful invasion of Algiers by the U.S., which also helped save the lives of over 500,000 Jews in North Africa, targeted by Hitler's final solution. This is an amazing documentary. One, again, I, I'll say it a number of times during our conversation, a, a story that I had no idea. Uh, even the invasion of North Africa by the United States and the Allies, the British, is kind of a buried part of the story of World War II, even that part of it, which I kind of, we think we kind of know about, but we really don't. This is a remarkable chapter in, in this particular uh, part of the story of World War II, and uh, the film is called Shadows of Freedom, and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film, Alin Robichaud and Amos Carlin. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about the, the, the story behind the story of Shadows of Freedom. How did you come to know about this and your decision to move forward and make a documentary film? Sure. Um, so actually, the, this all began uh, about eight years ago uh, when my mother, who she, she was born in Tunisia, actually, in North Africa, and her area of expertise, she, she's a professor of history, and, and her area of expertise is actually uh, Jewish history and specifically Jewish North African history. And she's she's probably one of the leading lights in the world on, on this uh, subject. And she came across a book in a small bookstore in Jerusalem and just kind of one of these uh, moments where, you know, she was kind of in the back of the store and she found this book. Uh, it turns out it's, it's been out of print for quite some time. And the book recounted the story of the Jewish Algerian resistance of World War II. And after she read it, she was shocked that she had never heard about this story, you know, having... Uh, actually lived in North Africa during World War II, um, although she was she was very young. But also having studied this stuff, uh, she was just amazed that she had never heard the story. So she approached me, uh, knowing that I'm in the industry, and and asked me if if I could you know turn this into a movie. She was originally thinking of like a narrative movie, um, maybe something like a Spielberg treatment. And I had to explain to her that it was really hard to come up with you know like a hundred million dollars. So. We, uh, we decided to turn it into a documentary film. And um, as I uh, learned more about the story, I became very passionate about the subject just because, you know, well, for a lot of reasons, but, but mainly because I, I, it dawned on me that if these resistors hadn't done what they did, uh, my mother most likely wouldn't have come out of the war alive. And obviously, you know, I wouldn't have uh, been here either. So it started to become... A, quite a personal subject and, and I became very passionate uh, getting involved in it and um, um, I, I realized uh, after quite a few years of laboring on it that, that I uh, it was such a complicated story that, that I and and 
there were so many moving parts that I needed someone to come on board and help me with it. And that's uh, that's when Lynn came on board. Maybe she can speak to that at this point. Okay, please. When I came on board, I guess it was uh, approximately two and a half years ago, we met at a coffee shop, and I think it was Kismet. I was so enthralled by the story itself. Like you, Mike, I didn't think that this was part of the history of World War II. So as I delved into the book that Amos had recommended I read, and another book based on one of the leading uh, resistors, José Aboukar, had done an autobiography, which was probably around 635 pages, delineating the whole night and what led up to the night of uh, the takeover of the city of Algiers. It was fascinating to me, and I thought it was a story that I could uh, really uh, sink my teeth into. I know that in the history of mankind, there are all kinds of stories that share this characteristic, which is a small group of people had this completely outsized impact on some of the most important events in the history, you name it, in the history of mankind. And this is certainly one of them. The fact that we mentioned in the introduction, 388 resistance fighters. And we'll get into the story. I don't want to give too much away. I want people to watch this film. This incredible impact. And as you sort of fan out from that night, the night of Operation Torch, you start to see the ripple of what that meant for the war effort, for American, the psychology of winning the war. All these different things came out of it. It's just... Yeah, I mean, it takes your breath away, really. So, yes. let, so where do we start? Let's go back to sort of the beginning. Let's. Do you want to get into a little bit of an overview of World War II and how North Africa is so important in in the telling of that story? How how do we want to approach this? I'll leave it to you. <laughs> well, actually, uh, there was a wonderful um, uh, one of our historians said it best. I think. The landing of the Americans in North Africa was the beginning of the end of the war. And it truly was. It was a time where when they did land, I mean, these were these were kids mostly from uh, that had never gone out of the United States, let alone been part of a war. So there was a little bit of a, a trial and error on on the part, uh, and they were able to do that before Normandy. They were able to make the mistakes before finally leading up to Normandy. Right. And I'll I'll recount what uh, Winston Churchill said this that the invasion of North Africa was not the beginning of the end but the end of the beginning. And now That's I right. want, and I want to shift back to the the Jewish population in North Africa, particularly in Algiers, and how significant it was and how significant its its place in not only in this story, but also in the culture uh, of North Africa and Algiers and that area. Uh, almost, do you want to take that? Sure. Uh, so uh, Algiers, the the three uh, North African countries that were under French control, uh, that would be Algiers, Morocco, and Tunisia. Um, they had quite a sizable Jewish population between the three of them, which is which is something that a lot of people don't realize. So, so there are approximately seven hundred thousand Jews there at the time. And certainly, as we recount in the movie, there's no question at all that Hitler had those Jews in his mind as targets. So really, you know, this story is 
is really it, it's an amazing story in, on so many levels. But you know, if we break it down to the Jewish experience and the fact that the the Jews in North Africa by 1942 they they had a sense of what was going on in Europe, i.e., the the slaughter of the Jews by the the Nazis. It, you know, this obviously gave them a real sense of urgency to to do something about it. And ultimately, this resistance movement in Algiers, this very small resistance movement in Algiers, that really, as you, if you see the movie, you'll see it succeeded against all odds. And these people really had no business doing what they did, ultimately. But I, I think it was their sheer, you know, willpower and ultimately desperation, knowing that they were fighting for their lives, that led them to, you know, ultimately be be successful with their their goals. And in, in helping the Allies, you know, get into Algiers and then through there, because there was, you know, such a little resistance, I think, um, I think that was a real boon for the, the Allied war effort. And, you know, ultimately they, they moved on to the rest of North Africa. And, uh, and it ultimately became the first success of, you know, World War II for the Allies, which yeah. is a pretty incredible story as well. And I want to underscore something you just said, and that is how uh, you mentioned that uh, Hitler and his final solution for the Jews in, in Europe. And there's a, there's a very famous or infamous conference, the Conference of Vonsay. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but I believe it's Vonsay is how it's pronounced. If I'm incorrect, let me know. And how that is where they literally plotted out the logistics and the, the overall uh, basically plan for this horror that, that took place. But in it, they list 700,000 Jews in France, and there were only at that time 200,000 Jews in this in this record of right. Jews in France. So that meant there were 500,000 Jews in North Africa. So it, I really want to underscore just how significant this was in terms of it for a lot of different reasons. The impact that the Jews have had on that culture in North Africa, but also the the size of the Jewish population, which again, and it, it ripples out from there later on in, in this story what all of this, the ramifications of what happened. But I just want people to understand that this was a significant population and the impact would have been it's, horrific. Go ahead, almost because I think that be, uh, the, the fact that your mother uh, was saying that her grand, her father was... Her father, my older. grandfather, yeah. Yes, if you want to yeah. speak to that. Uh, well, I, I, what, where Lynn was going with that is that... Uh, before the the invasion of Operation Torch in uh, in 1942, my mother, who would have been I think four at the time, she she remembers that her father was forced to wear a Jewish star and was going every morning to to work on building a concentration camp, uh, and, and this is in Tunisia. So so just as you say, you know, ripple effects. Uh, th th this is clearly. You know the the fact that that the Allies invaded when they did was was probably just you know just before things could have gotten really ugly for the, the Jews in North Africa. Absolutely. Well, I, before yeah. we go any further, I want to remind our listeners we're talking with the co-directors, co-producers of this wonderful new documentary film called Shadows of Freedom, and uh, that would be Alain Robichaud as well as Amos Carlin. One of the strengths of the film, in addition to what we've been talking about, and that is 
you give us a wonderful kind of overview of World War II, particularly the beginning of from moving from 1938, moving forward. So it gives this context, historic context, and uh, how depressingly acquiescent the the Allies were at the beginning of, of that war. I don't want to draw this circle too wide, but I think it gives us some context for today in some Absolutely. How comfortable we are in some maybe possibly misconceptions about how secure our world is and how quickly it can slip away. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Mike. I think that, uh, and I, I, in addition to that, I, I do want to say these 388 resistant fighters that were mostly you know, in their 20s, mostly Jewish, were able to make uh, a difference in the world. And I think that we can't lose sight of that, how that parallel to today how small communities can make a difference in the world. Anything yeah. to add to that, almost? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we, we were talking about this recently because obviously we, we made this movie before, you know, well before this, this coronavirus uh, crisis that we're all living through right now. But, you know, really, you know, this is, I think, the first time since World War II that the world as a whole is dealing with a united issue that that we're all kind of banded together to to try to defeat you know obviously it's it's a quite a different situation and, and it's quite a different set of uh, events that that led us to where we are right now than world war ii but i think there are certainly parallels when we talk about being acquiescent and stuff like that obviously you know you can look at that a lot of ways and i'm sure we could spend a few hours talking about that <laughs> But, uh, but certainly there are parallels to be drawn uh, today. And, and then in, uh, obviously the, the kind of more obvious parallel in terms of, you know, people fighting for their liberty and their freedoms and, you know, trying to make their world a better place and a freer place, you know, that, that can obviously apply in, in a very direct way to a lot of people in, you know, probably more war-torn or third world countries. But I think we could probably also draw parallels to that in the United States right now and in, in some other, you know, pockets in the Western world as well. I'm going to make one editorial comment in, in regard to what you just said. What sure. I, how I look at what is happening with the coronavirus and the world's reaction and the fact that it is, as you just described it, this kind of worldwide uh, concern. On the other side of this, my concerns are on the other side of this. What have our tendencies been going into this crisis, as in terms of governments around the world, including an increasing uh, tendency of, of governments to become more and more regressive around the world? What what what's on the other side of this? What what sort of measures are going to be awaiting uh, us? The decisions that we're going to have to make in terms of dealing not just with corona, but maybe there are other pandemics over the horizon because of a number of reasons, climate change, who knows what. Where are, what are the trend lines, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in terms mm -hmm. of our ability to determine our collective future. And that's, I think, where World War II and the lead up to World War II, for me, has some parallels. We, the world seems increasingly more... Uh, uh, more enthralled with uh, strong men around the world. Uh, my concern is that we are, where are we going? What does the other side of this look like? If, if I can uh, answer that, yeah. there's a 
towards the end of the documentary, there was a beautiful passage in uh, José Abocard's autobiography about nationalism versus patriotism yes. and how different yes. it is. And I think that this is a, a really good point to raise. Patriotism is not about hatred. Patriotism is about pride and working together and being a uh, strong nation. And in that, you raise up your weakest. That is patriotism. True, true, true to the sense of the word patriotism. Thank you. Wow, we've spent. I'm sorry, I've realized how much time we've. Um, um, I will. First of all, the film again is called Shadows of Freedom. We have really just barely touch the surface of some of the key people in the film, and I would like to spend a couple of minutes talking about, uh, you mentioned um, Jose Abuquer and... Henri Dostier. Yes, well, there you, go, there you go. Thank you for your help on that. And those two are, are critically important. Uh, Jose uh, Abuquer is uh, a remarkable figure. The fact that we have footage of him sort of recounting what happened. There's some great archival footage in the film. Um, there's just a lot of great elements in the film, but uh, either one of you want to want to describe his role in in what happened and his importance in all of it. Amos, you want to? Sure, sure. Uh, so Jose was um, Jose. Uh, at the beginning of of the movement. He was only 20 years old. Um, he he was like all the Jews, the young Jews in Algeria during the war. He was he, he was a medical student, and he was basically told that he couldn't go to school anymore i guess you know i, I don't want to give away too much but but he was a highly intelligent uh, person with no military training whatsoever but he kind of found himself uh largely because his father was known as a as a radical left uh political leader so i, I think that was a big part of it uh so he kind of gained this respect just uh, by virtue of, of who his father was um but he kind of became the the de facto leader of this resistance movement of, of a whole bunch of, you know, very young, um, mostly Jewish, uh, men and, and, and a few women actually we should add, but, but there's not much known about them, unfortunately, but, and Henri Dastier, interestingly enough, came from the other spectrum, uh, politically, he was actually a far right, uh, French, uh, Republican. Uh, Lord so, so interestingly enough, he, he and Jose and, and most of the resistance fighters wouldn't have seen eye to eye, but they, they all agreed that the Nazis, you know, that we had to get rid of the Nazis. So they had a common enemy and, uh, Destier, uh, came from quite a, like aristocratic family. And, uh, ultimately I, I think his connections to the higher ups in France was was extremely helpful to to helping this resistance movement, uh, you know, achieve its goals. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, uh, Alain. Such a complex political and human uh, history was kind. It, it's so complex as any as any war is. It, it's hard, and we we found it hard to put in all the elements and keep it interesting not just interesting but also understandable because yeah. it, it's, it's such a complex story that uh, even we got confused you know we we almost had to make flow charts and figure out who was connected to who and how and and so we really tried to simplify it so that so that it, we could keep the viewer engaged and and not confused well let me say as uh, as a viewer i would say this is the one of the most enlightening and informative films on 
the history of World War II or of any particular historic event that I've ever seen. And I, I really, uh, given how you, this is sort of macro-micro and then micro-macro, back and forth in terms of the storytelling, I think just a wonderful job of pulling all these elements together. So my congratulations to you on the work you did here. I want to make sure everyone knows how they can see the film. And the website for the film is called shadowsfreedom.com. And you can find out more about the film, about uh, how to watch the film, to see it. But it's also being released through Gravitas Ventures. And you probably know a little bit more about the release than I do. It's available now for rent or purchase on all the major platforms. So that would be iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, I believe Xbox and Vudu as well. Fantastic. I urge you to check this out, Shadows of Freedom, and thank you to both of you, Alin Robachaw, as well as Amos Carlin, the co-producers and co-directors of the film. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you. you. It was a pleasure. That was great. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.